this is episode 9, slowing down your hand lettering, brush lettering and calligraphy. Welcome to the Hand Lettering Podcast. I'm Tam Love, hand lettering artist with a degree in art and design and more than 10 years experience specialising in pencil illustrations. I write and create for letteringtutorial.com, a place to find tutorials, interviews, resources and more. Join me as I talk about all things lettering. Hello and a big welcome to episode 9 of the Hand Lettering Podcast. My intention with this week's episode is for it to be a relatively short one compared to the length of the usual episodes. So normally they tend to be around about the half hour mark with the odd couple of exceptions. There's massive amounts of building work going on all around me at the moment, I think. Possibly every apartment that's up, down, left, right, and even another building over the road seems to be having building work going on. So it's an absolute nightmare to try and get just a couple of minutes of quiet to record an episode. So that's why I'm planning for it to be a bit shorter. There's a good chance I'll probably waffle on and try and work around the really loud drilling noises and sawing noises and cement mixers and whatever else they're using out there. That's the plan for this episode anyway. I was inspired to talk about this week's topic by a recent conversation I had with the amazingly talented lettering artist Ruth Rowland. If you're not familiar with Ruth's work, I highly recommend you have a look at all the amazing things that she's created. You can find her website at ruthroland.co.uk. So that's R-U-T-H-R-O-W-L-A-N-D dot C-O dot U-K. I will put a link to her website in the show notes for this episode though, so don't worry if you can um, note that down at the time of listening. You can find the website in the show notes. And if you want to find the show notes, (laughs) you can either go to letteringtutorial.com and click on podcasts from the menu and then there'll be a link to all the different podcast episodes and you'll obviously want to click on episode 9 and if you want to check out the other show notes from previous episodes then that's cool too. Otherwise if you go to letteringtutorial.com forward slash hand lettering podcast 9 and that's a numerical number 9 that will take you straight to the show notes for this episode. Ruth has created some incredible lettering for companies both big and small. Her lettering can be found on a lot of different music albums out there, including albums by Elton John and James Blunt, just to name a couple. There were more, but I can't remember (laughs) off the top of my head now. Her lettering has also been used on something quite iconic in the UK, I don't know if you can get them um, anywhere else. I know Cadbury have been taken over now. I think they're owned by possibly Kraft Foods, which I think is an American company. Not too sure on that one. Previously, though, Cadbury created, well, they they still do technically, (laughs) boxes of roses. And Ruth had lettered the roses writing, which 
if you live in the UK, you'll know that was quite a big thing, actually. It, you know, most people will have that in their home or will have had that in their home at some point in their life. Her lettering has been used on other food brands, book covers. One of my favourite comedians, Dawn French, Ruth has actually lettered the um, title of her book. So she's done some really impressive things with her lettering and it's absolutely full of wisdom. She's been lettering a little while now and there's so, so much you can learn. So when I had this conversation with her quite recently, I, I absorbed. <laughs> I was quite surprised by the outcome of the conversation that I had with Ruth the other day, but I will discuss that in just a second. If you want to know a bit more about Ruth besides this brief intro that I've given you on the podcast, if you've not come across her lettering work before, as I say, have a look at her website. Otherwise, I had the fantastic opportunity of interviewing Ruth not too long ago. So you can find that interview on the lettering tutorial website. If you click on resources from the menu and scroll down there, you'll be able to find the interview that I did with Ruth there. And she gives even more amazing information and wisdom in that interview. Okay, now on to why you should be slowing down your hand lettering, brush lettering and calligraphy. Around a week or two ago now, I think it was, Ruth shared a video on her Facebook page for her lettering. And it was a video of her lettering out some writing inspired by Bram Stoker's Dracula in a bit of a dark gothic style. I immediately clicked on this video because although I've interviewed Ruth and I've seen a ton of her work, I haven't seen much at all, if anything actually I think, on her process and how she creates her lettering work. So my assumption was that her being a huge pro <laughs> was that she would, you know, work really quickly and lay these letters down fast and perfect within seconds. And the video showed me otherwise. The video was perhaps about a minute and a half long and there was perhaps three or four lines of lettering. I can't remember to be exact now. I will put um, a link if I can find the video up to that in the show notes as well. However, as I say, it took about a minute and a half for her to write out this really cool gothic -y style lettering. The lettering was perfectly laid down, of course. <laughs> I, I would be surprised if it wasn't with how talented Ruth is. But she took her time, and even though she's been lettering for more than 20 years, she took her time. And I think the trap that we all fall in, I've definitely been guilty of falling into this trap and I'm sure many of you will have too. A lot of the lettering work I think we see and a lot of the lettering processes that we see are usually on Instagram because it's a great place to share your work visually. Instagram only allows you around, I think it's a 15 second window, I'm trying, is it? 50, it might be 30, I, I don't share video too often on Instagram, it's not very long and often with lettering you don't get the full effect I suppose if you just put up 15 seconds of people lettering at a healthy normal speed. You might get the first couple of letters and that perhaps might not gain as much interest as seeing the whole word or phrase lettered out and as a result people speed up their work an awful lot. They'll either letter a lot faster, 
physically giving you that impression that every letter must work at this speed all of the time or they will physically speed up the video footage of them lettering and then upload that and again you start to see this so often that you think this must be the way I'm supposed to be working I'm I must be, you know, it, it has to be a case of I work at this speed because so many letterers are doing this. It really wasn't until I saw Ruth's video that it came to my attention that actually, what, why? <laughs> why does it have to be this fast? Does it have to be this fast? And what do you gain from lettering quicker? If, you know, in particular, if you're using a brush pen or a calligraphy pen, illustrative hand lettering is a bit harder to to do as quickly because it takes a lot of precision and accuracy to get lines straight and a lot of work goes into drawing lines out whereas with brush lettering and calligraphy you're often writing the lettering out so it's easier I suppose to do that faster so you see it mainly with brush lettering and calligraphy. I realised though that I probably have been working and practicing my brush lettering faster than Ruth creates her lettering at. That video may not be representative of the speed she always works at. However, I'm sure that I've been laying my letters down a bit faster than that and I realise I probably gained absolutely nothing <laughs> from doing it at that speed. In most cases, what do you what do you gain when you rush something? In most cases, it's the complete opposite. Rushing things can have a, a, a side effect or a downfall. Usually you don't get the best quality. It's, I guess, that whole quality over quantity or quantity over quality thing, really. And I think you have to choose what you want to do, whether you want to have quantity or quality. Over time, I guess you can create both because if you put enough time into your lettering, you'll eventually build up a good quantity of work that all might be of a good quality. But in a short term period, if you're trying to chuck out a few pieces a day, that might not actually be your best quality work. I think it's very, very important to start slowing down what you're doing. Try it. Aside from maybe a couple of minutes, what have you actually got to lose by slowing things down? And I guarantee you'll learn an awful lot more. I commented on Ruth's video when I saw it and said, I think this is possibly the first time I've seen your working process and I'm really surprised that it wasn't a lot, lot faster because that's what I've got accustomed to seeing and that's what I'm used to seeing. And Ruth pointed out, Similarly to what I've spoken about, how on Instagram we are accustomed to seeing work created a lot faster. But she also suggested learning copper plate calligraphy, as that takes a lot of time and willpower <laughs> and determination. And you have to do that slowly because you're not going to get anywhere at all if you don't. Now, I haven't yet had a chance to start practicing copper plate yet. I've built up some basic skills in modern calligraphy. But what I have started to do is apply the concept of slowing things down 
to my brush lettering practice. I thought, why do I need to do this in a couple of minutes? Why don't I just take 10 minutes instead to think about what I'm doing, to think about each letter before I form it, to think about each letter as I'm forming it. And I've noticed so much more from doing that. I've noticed particular patterns and shapes in lettering that I hadn't spotted before. I've mastered an issue I was having with letter A, where I was kind of laying down my brush lettering so quickly, I hadn't spotted the way I was forming the shape of an A. And then the few times I've tried to use illustrative letters to draw out a a kind of a brush style A, it's looked off and I haven't been able to work out quite why. But by slowing down what I've been doing with my brush lettering practice, I've noticed that actually the stem of the A, where it comes down again and curves up and then joins on to another letter, that's usually actually a bit higher up than where I'd been drawing it on. So rather than it kind of meeting with the curve, it was more of an extension of that, the way I'd been originally drawing it, and it, it wasn't right. But by slowing down my brush lettering and thinking about each stroke as I make it, I've started to just absorb a lot, lot more. And I think the quality of my practice has improved so much, even though it's taking me longer. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. By sewing things down, I think in time you will find a working pace that suits you. If you start off really quick, there's a good chance you're always going to try and create work quickly. I think if you start very slow, you can then gradually build up to perhaps a slightly quicker pace if that's what suits you. I think it's harder to go the other way because you feel almost like it's a backwards step if you've been doing it for so long at a certain speed and then you suddenly have to slow it right back. It can feel like you're going backwards when actually you're not because you will probably gain a lot more from, from doing things a bit slower. Don't fall into that trap of thinking you have to let everything quickly Go at a pace that you are comfortable at, but if you can, slow it right down to begin with. It's important to probably mention that, obviously, by slowing things down, that can mean that it takes you longer to create work, which, like I say, isn't a bad thing at all. If you're working with clients, though, you might want to take that into consideration. It might be that you need to perhaps estimate a slightly longer deadline in which to give people that you have the work back by or agree upon a slightly longer deadline. It might not always work in some circumstances when working with clients. If you need to slow it down, they might not have the time for that. And then it's a case of deciding, do I want to rush this and not give it my best quality or do I want to just take this job anyway and be okay knowing that I could do this better if I had more time, but that isn't an option in this situation. Those are just some things to consider because you don't obviously want to take up a job working on a commission or something like that for a company and say, oh, hey, yeah, I'll have this battery within a couple of days and then think, oh, actually, I'm going to slow this down and it take you a bit longer. You need to 
be sure of how long you're going to spend and how long it will take. As a beginner, that's very, very hard to gauge, but the more you practice, the more projects you do for your own self-development, you'll start to get an idea of how long certain things take you. I definitely have a good idea now of <laughs> how long I spend on certain things. It's surprising how it can vary from project to project. But when I started, I was literally clueless. I had no idea how long something would take me. I couldn't even put an estimate on how long it would take me. Sometimes it was days trying to get certain letters right, right at the very beginning when I first started out. It's not quite so long now, <laughs> though I'm still learning loads and loads. And each time I work on a piece, I think I learn something new and I develop just a little bit more, even though it's only very, very small. All of those things, though, that I learn and those skills I'm slowly building up, I can put into action a lot, lot easier by slowing things down. When you speed things up, you miss doing certain things, you brush over doing certain things, and then you look at it and you're like, oh, actually, I forgot to include this, or I could have added that in, or I could have done that a bit differently. And then sometimes you need to go back and do it again, and that could actually cost you more time in the long run if you've got to then do the piece a couple of times, whereas if you just slowed it down the first time, put that thought in, slowed those movements down, you might come out with what you want first time round. You obviously don't want to slow things down too much. <laughs> That's obviously the downside to things like brush lettering and calligraphy, depending on what type of pen you use. If you're using quite a soft tip brush pen, if you slow your strokes down a bit too much, you might find that every slight movement you make, so if you, your hand wobbles just the tiniest bit, the pen stroke on the page is going to reflect that. So it is a case of finding a, a little bit of a happy medium with stuff like that. But if you're going quite quickly at the pace perhaps you'd normally write, I don't know, if you say you're taking an exam or a test or something like that and you write quite quickly, that sort of pace, that seems to be the average pace many people will letter at. And it doesn't have to be that fast. So if you slow down from that to a point where you can still make those fluid strokes but without any disjointedness, because that's the result really of what will happen if you slow it down just a bit too much. <laughs> You'll get a slight kind of jerkiness on your strokes, particularly when you're connecting letters if you're using like a script style with brush lettering. And the same with calligraphy, you might find that the pen is more likely to get caught on the paper or that when you're joining again letters that upstroke might be a bit wobblier than it normally would. So that's something to experiment with, that might take a little bit of playing around to find a good balance of in between fast and almost stopped. <laughs> but hopefully you know what I mean and I definitely challenge you to give that a try. Do maybe a one week challenge, that's what I did. I, I said right I've got nothing to lose by doing, I usually try to practice lettering most days and a minimum of four or five days a week now and I thought I've got nothing to lose by 
trying this four or five days and seeing what happens. Normally I take maybe, I try and mix it up and do a bit of illustrative lettering, a bit of brush lettering practice and calligraphy so that I'm slowly building up skills in all three and then eventually maybe I'll specialise in one or maybe I'll try and specialise in all three. We'll see what happens in the future. With my brush lettering practice, I, I think it usually spends sort of half an hour to an hour when I can practising that. And I thought, I'm going to slow this down and, and see what happens. And I was really impressed with the results. And I, I thought, I've only done that for five days, but it's a pretty good experiment. And it went well. <laughs> and I, I challenge you to do the same. I challenge you to implement it and give it a go and see how you get on. It would be great to know if you have tried it and if you found that it's been helpful or that it's worked. If you want to, you can comment on the show notes for this episode and let me and others know how you've got on with slowing things down. If you struggle to slow it down, that's fine too. There's bound to be a bit of an adjustment period where you perhaps start off slow and then suddenly speed up again where you're just so used to a certain rhythm. But feel free to share that in the comments as well. It's always great to know how you're finding things and what you discover, what you struggle with can help others too. It can reassure people to know that other people out there are having the same issues or you might have found a way to resolve something and then that can help as well if you want to comment on the show notes for this episode. In last week's episode I announced a brand new hashtag that you can use to share the quotes that I suggest every other episode for you to have a go at lettering. Now I thought it would be cool as well if you want to share your lettering work that you've tried by slowing things down using the same hashtag. It doesn't just have to be a place for the quotes, that's obviously the main intention for it, but it's specifically for lettering tutorial and the hand lettering podcast, so I thought why not use it to share what you've learnt from the podcast as well. So if you'd like to share your lettering work after you've had a go at sewing things down, you can use the hashtag lettering tutorial gallery. That's L-E-T-T-E-R-I-N-G-T-U-T-O-R-I-A-L-G-A-L-L-E-R-Y. And don't forget the hashtag at the beginning. If you use that on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you want, I will have a look and see what you can come up with. If you have any lettering-related questions at all, maybe something in this episode has made you think of something that you want to ask, or maybe it's something completely unrelated to this episode, it's just something about hand lettering or brush lettering, calligraphy, whatever it is, feel free to send your questions in to me. I will do my best to answer them. I like to, when I can, include them in future episodes of the podcast series. I think it's a great way because if you've got the question, somebody else, as I've previously mentioned in this episode, the chances are somebody else will be thinking the same thing and you can help a bunch of people. So don't feel shy about coming forward with your questions. No question is a stupid question either. Everybody has to start somewhere. 
So feel free to ask whatever you want. As long as it's in the realm of lettering, I will be happy to answer. You can send your questions to ask at letteringtutorial.com or like I say, you can pop them at the end of the show notes in the comment section there if you want to, if that's a bit easier for you. Do feel free to send your questions in. If you can include your name and the country that you're from as well, that's great, but you don't have to. Uh, it just makes it a bit easier if I'm answering them in an episode to call you by name. <laughs> then you know it's your question that I'm addressing. I think that's probably going to be it for this episode because I've got a feeling that the drilling is going to kick in again any second now. I'm hoping it's going to be a short-term thing. They were doing renovating on the apartment below me just before Christmas, but they didn't do it for too long. It was a few days and they stopped. Now they seem to have started again, whether it's perhaps a bit too cold and wet to, to do it over most of December, I don't know, but they're back down there now. And yeah, the apartments either side seem to be having work done too. We have had an awful lot of rain <laughs> this winter in the UK and I suspect there's quite a few leaky roofs which might be the main culprit for a lot of the work going on at the moment. All being well though, next week's episode will be a slightly longer one and a slightly quieter one background noise wise. I've done my best to try and avoid any disturbances in this episode so I do apologise if it's a little bit disjointed in places I've had to kind of cut the mic and start it again and crop a couple of bits out which isn't the most convenient thing in the world and then if the drilling starts my dog will inevitably start barking <laughs> so I've had to kind of filter that out too for you but hopefully this will still be listenable well, that's been a bit shorter. I hope this episode has given you something to think about and something to take away and put into practice this week. If I can do that every episode, then that's a great thing, even if it's just one thing that you take away and benefit. Thank you so, so much for listening. I'm hearing of more and more of you listening out there now, which is really great had somebody in the hand lettering HQ group on Facebook ask if I was Tam from the hand lettering podcast so that was pretty amazing that it's starting to reach more um, more people uh, they were new to the group so they hadn't previously seen the kind of content that I share in that Facebook group so that was really nice to know that it's actually reaching different people of all different countries and different cultures that's really amazing if you have enjoyed this episode, could I please ask that you leave an honest review in either iTunes or Stitcher? That way, hopefully, other people will know that I'm hoping that you think this is worth listening to. <laughs> and hopefully it will make it a little bit easier for other people to find the podcast. It also makes it easier for me to shape future episodes based on what you think and how you feel about the podcast series. And that just makes the, hopefully makes the series better and better as it goes along. I'll be back again next week. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.